Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kyle. And today, Trevor will be catching up on cinema. Uh, today is The Three Musketeers, 1993. Uh, does this does this story uh, by Alexander Dumas... Dumbass. Alexandre Dumas. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Dumbass. Dumbass. <laughs> it's Dumas. You dumb shit. Um, this has quite a few film adaptations. Oh, yeah. No, this is, this is like one of Hollywood's go-tos. And... France. Everybody loves the Three Musketeers. I think the last one was 2011. Yeah, that was that was the Paul W. S. Anderson one. Is Mila um, Jovovich in that? Of course, it's his wife. I didn't. I don't remember her being in that. And Logan Lerman. Dumb. And I think Orlando Bloom's in there too. I th- I want to say it was the Luke Evans. I want. I think Luke Evans <laughs> might be in there. Luke Luke Evans is just like. Hi, I'm Luke Evans. Like, yeah, it's you just kind of like okay, slightly tall, slightly buff English guy. It's like. There are any no, Luke, him and Luke Goss need to be in a movie together. Do you know Luke Goss? No, I don't. I don't. Luke Goss, his name. Um, also sometimes shave, shaven, like head shaved, uh, British man, uh, martial artist, uh, Blade Two. Oh, he, he yes, played yes, the, yes, he yes. played the villain in Blade Two. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, oh, and then um, the two of them are basically interchangeable. If you ask me, the only difference is Luke Evans got more big roles, mm-hmm. whereas Luke Goss. Hellboy Do- 2? Luke Goss does Death Race sequels. Well, <laughs> he got to do two Guillermo movies, so... Absolutely. No, I mean, that's... And, you know, Guillermo likes hanging out with his buddies. I mean, he still casts Ron Perlman and stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll get another Luke Goss collaboration that only I will care about. You know, we, we have uh, an exciting episode coming up here soon, and I think we're going to probably talk about Guillermo in that one. Uh, we're going to talk about some adaptations we'd Ooh, like to see. Ooh, teasers. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so the, this is directed by Stephen Herrick. Do you know what this guy has been a part of? I don't. How about you educate Ooh, me? Okay. I didn't even know uh, who this guy was until after I looked it up. Uh, he is a part of such movies as The Mighty Ducks. Okay. I believe he directed that. Uh, don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Okay. One of my favorite movies, Rockstar. It's one oh. of Mark Wahlberg's very few good movies. I've heard good things. I haven't seen it, but... Yeah, I heard it was pretty good. I, I like it. It's, I mean, it's hard to find a good Marvel movie. Like <laughs> um, I mean, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But yeah, if you want to say something about Marky no, Mark. No, there's too much to say about Marky Mark. <laughs> uh, that's a whole different yeah, podcast. Yeah, that, that's another show altogether. We don't have time for Our that. Our sidecast, Wahlburgers. Um, <laughs> Uh, 101 Dalmatians, the live action one. Was so he's close. in Disney's back pocket for sure. And then I've heard this is a good movie, but I could be wrong. Mr. Holland's Opus. Really? I believe so, yeah. I adore that film. That, I've heard it's really good. No, uh, my my mom took me to see... I fucking saw a newspaper ad for oh. this movie. <laughs> like a tiny-ass newspaper ad. And I was obsessed with like Jaws at the time. Mm. I was a little kid, because this was in theaters. I was like six, maybe seven. And uh, I begged my mom to take me to go see that. And she was like, you want to go I see... see you want to wow. go see old Richard Dreyfuss in, in a movie about <laughs> music and stuff? And she took me, and I to this day I absolutely adore that film. I mean, I don't even know what's up. Is it the? Is there music? Is there a band with that? I don't know. I feel like he was. A it's mu- about a musician who, because you know, you got to pay the bills, he gets his teaching license and becomes a high school teacher, uh, just to keep the lights on. And in the meantime, he's trying to write a symphony. He's trying oh, to write his own okay. music, and raise a family, and be a teacher. And it's basically like a. It's like a journey through his life. So mm. you get to see the, the evolution of mainstream music through his eyes. So like from the 60s up until the early 90s. Gotcha. And it's it's a great-ass uh, movie. And uh, funny me. enough, uh, now that you mention that, um, Michael Kamen did the music for it. Um, there's 
I mean, it's a bit of a spoiler, but there is a symphony at the end of the movie. I would One, like three minutes of it because we, you know, we got to get home. It's <laughs> like we got to wrap shit up. <laughs> but um, Michael Kamen did the original music for it, and uh, I noticed his name in the credits for the Three Musketeers. So surprised. I'm guessing he had a working relationship with him. Um, so uh, one thing real quick. So he uh, actually the director of this movie, Stephen Herrick, actually does mostly TV now. I'm okay. seeing a lot of that's, uh, TV. That's not uncommon. He also directed something you probably know of called The Chaperone, the Chaperone. starring WWE's own Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> oh, that's the one with the uh, with the girl from Modern Family. Is it the, where he's the school but yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've seen trailers for it because I own an embarrassing number of <laughs> WWF documentaries, and all of them push him as like the next uh, leading man from yeah. Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had Trevor. Now, if you didn't watch this movie in the 90s on VHS, you may not know that the movie actually opens with a music video. Uh, and it is a collaboration between Sting, Brian Adams, and Rod Stewart. Now, I feel like Rod Stewart is way more famous than I actually like than I actually know. <laughs> because I've always just known him as that weird dude my stepmom kind of listened to sometimes. But I, apparently he was a big fucking deal, yeah, apparently. Yeah, no, he has a following, and I think that is, un- unfortunately, like his chief demographic. Is my stepmom. But there are group, a lot yeah. of those people. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people who really like Rod Stewart. Um, I love the music video because it's just so cheesy. I think Sting is great though. I still, I the only thing is like Sting's kind of great. It's a very song. subdued Sting actually. Yeah, like you can tell he's like, oh shit, I gotta share the stage with these guys. And they like, all kind of sound the same because they all like, they kind of sing like Alec Baldwin talks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that was on accident. Um, and another thing, real quick, because Brian Adams is. Um, is Canadian. This is a very Canadian heavy cast. Very, very. I noticed it, that. You notice it. I noticed quite, it. Quite readily. <laughs> I actually, I learned quite a bit because I've seen this movie enough times. I was like, I, I, we're going to do an episode on it? Great, I get to rewatch it. But because of that, I know where the dull ports are and I can look up some stuff and just kind of... That's the best part of revisiting a film like this mm. is that um, I have tons of movies on my shelf that have like horrible pacing, but those enjoyable moments are so enjoyable and so it's a good idea to just like have your phone out and like dick around on it or like draw or something and just you hear like the right music cue or you hear that one line and it's like oh it's time to look up <laughs> i'll click my phone off two minutes before oliver platt gets on the screen so that i don't uh, know man you could get into trouble with this one because like every time tim curry shows up which is a, a lot, lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's his movie yeah oh yeah he knows it too <laughs> well, let's, I'm gonna go ahead, let's go ahead and uh, talk about well the movie is the three musketeers i'm not gonna exp- we don't need to explain it because it's you know the story there's the- yeah even if you don't know the fine details of it which personally unfortunately i don't yeah um you know the broad strokes yes you know d'artagnan you know there's three other musketeers and- d'artagnan <laughs> d'artagnan <laughs> so yeah, so we'll just we'll just break it down. Chris O'Donnell, Robin plays uh, D'Artagnan, who is going to Paris to be a Three Musketeer. Uh, Tim Curry um, has actually disbanded the Three Musketeers. He is Cardinal uh, Richelieu. Richelieu. Um, and Richelieu. The king is played by some Irish dude who has a big pointy nose. He actually looks like a Disney prince. You know, I saw this movie in the theater when it was brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a a different kind of catching up on cinema yes, yes. because I have zero memory of this film other than hating this kid. <laughs> like, Seriously. Like he is engineered to piss off at, like 
not even mature male. <laughs> it's just like it's just like your animal instincts just tell you to hate him. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the kings were like that though. That's kind of how it went. Well, like, yeah, he's sheltered. You're you're supposed to get that. Like he's he's barely gotten past the womb. <laughs> like only other thing I've seen him in is chocolate. It's chocolate, but chocolate. It is with, chocolate. Uh, uh, <laughs> Johnny Depp and um, Homegirl from Godzilla 2014. I believe that's her. Oh, I think that's her. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um. Really? But yeah, so real okay. So Tim Curry has a plot to overthrow the overthrow the throne, and it's up to the Three Musketeers to basically stop it. Which is he's actually defeated by a punch. If uh, you didn't know, yeah, he, I don't think he came up. He did not. He just he, he, just, he just got punched in the well, face. Well, I mean, let's roll things all the way back to the beginning, okay? Because yeah. this is important to me. Because as a kid, especially, this is one of the few things I do remember. Very dark. We, we very op- dark. Opening. We open in hell. Seriously, <laughs> like we open on the river Styx. So that's why this movie was. Well, my brother and I watched it so much when we were younger. Because if it was on, if we my parents were visiting some friends and they were playing cards, like what do you? Here's the here's the VHS player. Here's a whole bunch of movies we got. We got the ones at the top that you can't watch, but these are the ones you can watch. If we saw <laughs> Three Musketeers, Mortal Kombat, or any Batman movie, it was like, we're going to watch these. This well, is what's yeah, going to be given, given the choices, yeah, I probably would have done the same. But this is one of those that I've just seen about as many times as Jurassic Park, if I had to if I had to guess. It's, it's up there. Yeah, but so we open, and Tim Curry's like the first person we see, basically. And he's getting rowed into the dungeon yeah, the, they have the, in the basement of the palace, the palace I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. If the that... palace dungeon, that sounds pretty standard. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, we see some eerie sights. Uh, it's a very, it's a very cold. It's like the coldest of cold opens. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like this is a kids movie, right? It's dark. Another thing that's really important to to me, like putting this in context, is um, the way this film was advertised. I remember was screwball comedy. Oh, absolutely! Like Oliver Platt was in every shot of the trailer. The ah, 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 the yeah, gag, gag that, where yeah. he slices the rope and the guy goes down the trap door. That was like the highlight of the fucking trailer. Yeah. That's what got my ass into the theater. Um, and then we get this opener where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're in hell. Nobody's talking. The music is creepy. Uh, there's a big giant man with a scarred up face who looks like he should be in The Rocketeer or something. Another mm-hmm. Disney family film. Um, cameo that I'm not sure if you've noticed on the IMDb. Before you even say it, I've got it written down. Okay. Uh, his name is Erwin Leader. He played Johan in Das Boot. Yeah. Um, das Boot is a film that is very near to Kyle's, near and dear to Kyle's heart. Love it. Um, he had me watch all, what, three hours and 40 three minutes? Three hours and nearly 25 minutes, yeah. Yeah, um, very much worth your time. And, Absolutely. And this gentleman is in the film for like 10 seconds. He's, he has like a line. Anyway, um, yeah, so he's very important to the plot because he's, um, he's the engine room mechanic basically so he's oh, the yeah. one that makes no, the in plot. Das Boot he is integral to the plot and he has a he has a, has a meltdown at one point that's the one that the captain almost he's, shoots I mean, put it this way the reason why I recognized him so easily was um, the blu-ray you gave me he's on the back of the yeah. box he's on the back <laughs> like, yeah. he's on, on the box I did not give him the blu-ray I let him borrow the blu-ray yeah no that, that had to go right back yeah. I don't want you guys to have some misconception I'm just handing out blu-rays of Das Boot around <laughs> go get your own copy of that on blu-ray <laughs> highly recommend you buy it on blu-ray um, but yeah, so it's a very, very dark opening. Oh and yeah, and sometimes we revisit this tone throughout the movie. It, it's interesting you say tone because this movie, we've talked about movies not knowing what kind of tone they want. And in this case, 
there are several tones that we were just jumping back and forth from, like just just from character to character. So one thing, Tim Curry is the only one I think who's in the right movie. I think that he's playing a good Disney villain. He's oh, not yeah. over the top, but he has a very obvious presence just because of his the way his face he is. He wears a like, fucking cape he throughout wears, the whole movie. He wears a cape. <laughs> he's the one who's in this movie. And I I would say that Chris O'Donnell is too cuz he's he's Luke Skywalker. He's going over the top a little no, bit. He yeah, he yeah. is Luke Skywalker. And he's he, supposed to be a young kid. Yeah, yeah. he's the bright-eyed young boy who is sincere and mm-hmm. you know is always going to make the right choice. Correct. Whereas the Musketeers are there more for the flavor, for the color. Um, Oliver Platt is... I, I think he... I would say he's also in this movie as well. Like, he knows what movie he's in. The only problem with him is that he's... I think he was nudged. Like, I feel like he was instructed to be that way, whereas Tim Curry is just like, I am. Well, I'm, this knows. is what I'm doing. Whereas Oliver Platt's, like, producers or Disney or the corporate guys or whatever is saying we need a funny guy we need a funny guy be the fat funny guy well, <laughs> but uh but yeah Oliver Oliver Platt is good like he's funny he's the comic relief so Porthos I was gonna say Porthos has always been it's supposed to be a funny character um Depardieu. yeah Gerard Depardieu I hate that man the Iron Mask but he's the best part of the whole movie every absolutely. time he comes on absolutely and Porthos is I, I'm assuming from the book kind of the clown like he's supposed to be the funny guy yeah other Otherwise, it's like a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, so yes, he's playing Porthos. Athos is played by Charlie or uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Now, he is in a different fucking movie. He is in like a PG thirteen or rated R Three Musketeers movie because he his character's dark, and I think the character is supposed to be dark. But this isn't the right movie for that. <laughs> well, it's it's a it has a weird rhythm to it because mm-hmm. we have these three musketeers who all, in their own way, serve as mentor to Dar- D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan, <laughs> and uh, they all they all have different approaches to their mentoring. Correct. Where, where Porthos is kind of the, I don't know, takes everything with a with a smile. It, he's kind of cavalier. He he seems to think of life as kind of one big joke except for his musketeering um Athos seems like distracted I guess because he has his own subplot going on in the background that becomes integral to the main plot but uh he's supposed to be like the grim gritty leader but at the same time he has too much baggage to the point that it's like he's setting a bad example to D'Artagnan as to what he should be and then Charlie Sheen is mostly an afterthought in this movie. I think that uh, I think that Charlie Sheen or Aramis, Aramis, I think he is supposed to be some kind of. He's trying to influence him intellectually. I think is what he's supposed. To, he's trying to teach him. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking more of like Jeremy Irons playing the character. Um, no, no, no. You're, I'm you're, sorry. John Malkovich plays. No, no, no. John Malkovich plays uh, Porthos. Either way, yeah. you're. You're no, asking Charlie those. Sheen to match wits with Jeremy Irons? No. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeremy Irons, yeah, that was that character. Uh, Don, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character, uh, Athos, was John Malkovich. Yeah. Nobody's doing a French accent there except for the French guy. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Um, but yeah, I think they're all, like, I think that D'Artagnan's character is kind of like fresh out of boot camp kind of kid. He hasn't even gone through, but that's how he's just like bright eyed and he's just one dimensional well, about the whole thing. And they're like, you've got to relax. You're focusing too much on one thing. 
you got to wind down a little bit. Think about well, things. I mean, You're too hot-headed. In, in their own way, the three mentors serve as like three different pillars of what it means to be a musketeer. Like they all have their different strengths where it's like Athos is like the reality of things. Mm -hmm. Aramis has the faith element, which in that era was very important in all aspects of life, mm -hmm. uh, especially in terms of like patriotism and things like that. And then uh, Porthos, I guess, is like the humility. Like he's kind of the... You know, that's a good way to put it. You, you know, not not every aspect of being this this warrior, this defender of the crown, is going to be serious in like life and death. It's like you still need to live while you're at it. Um, one of the one of the things I noticed about um, Porthos, uh, Keith Kiefer Sutherland's um, character, is that when he is drinking by himself, and he's like, oh yes, uh, he drinks, he takes his drinking very seriously. Um, he goes over there. He's just drinking a bottle of wine. He has three bottles stacked up behind him. I noticed that no, watching he, it this he was time. hitting it pretty hard. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland uh, was on three DUIs uh, film after filming this or during filming this movie. He was on his third, I believe, his third DUI. Three, three. Didn't, and there's he, like, there's, didn't he get like at least two more when he was doing twenty four? So he got. <laughs> I think he had three at this point. He got his fourth one back in back in like late late 2000s early 2010s right around there jeez yeah uh, but there's there's kind of a joke when they're in the carriage uh, yeah he's like we're in the middle of a chase <laughs> you're right something red um Oh yeah, so the three the three characters, Porthos, Oliver Platt. We'll probably be in, we'll be talking about them by their actor yeah, names. We'll, it's just we'll easier slip that back way. and forth, but you know, keep up. Got um, got to be quick. <laughs> so we have our character actors that we've introduced. Um, well, they're they're introduced to us in a very clever way, though. Very, very clever way. In fact, um, we should probably dial yeah. back a bit. So, oh, I was going to introduce my favorite, one of my favorite '90s character actors because he's in the opening scene. Yes, this is um, true. And he's another person who is kind of in a darker film with Kiefer Sutherland, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's one other character who's in a completely different movie, but we'll get to her. <laughs> um, but Rochefort, who's played by Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott. And you should know from that voice exactly who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man who smokes like two packs in between takes. I don't know how he doesn't have a hole in his throat. I it's know, he's still, he's still kicking. He's still going. <laughs> he, he's still going. Um, so, and he's Canadian. Um, Alder Platt's Canadian. Kiefer Sutherland is technically, he was born in the UK, but he's, of Canadian actors. He's Canadian. Brian Adams is Canadian. I could have sworn Re Rebecca DeMornay was Canadian, but she's not. Is Chris she's, O'Donnell Canadian? I looked it up. No, oh. he's not. I, I oh. double-checked on that. I'm disappointed. He's. I think he's like corn-fed Milwaukee or something like that. Close like, enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, there's quite a bit of Canada going on. <laughs> Secret Canadian. <laughs> um, but the music video, uh, if you haven't seen it, and if you're going to watch this movie, absolutely look up the all-for-one music video. Yeah, Kyle made me watch it before I watched the movie. I love it. He, I, <laughs> he insisted, and I think it's worth it. I think it's... It's good. worth your three minutes or whatever. So yeah, so let's let's go through D'Artagnan. What's... what's ha he's... he's in the middle of a duel. Yeah, we're introduced to D'Artagnan mid-duel with... Um, I don't remember the fella's name, but he is a... A ponce. <laughs> he, he's, the, he's the fourth one. I'm sorry. There were, there were four people that are in completely different movies. He is in a fucking cartoon. Oh, yeah. No. He's absolutely a cartoon character. No, he he's like the foppish ponce that is like made up... Made up like with really colorful makeup. He's he's meant to look like, like a, a prissy fella. Mm -hmm. Um 
He's in a duel, I think, over his sister's honor. Yep. Because Chris O'Donnell was stooping his sister. Yeah, he's... Dude's... This is some tight, you know, Chris O'Donnell. Like, he's baby face before Robin. Like, he's looking good. <laughs> so, he's crushing it. He's crushing it. Oh, yeah. Day. No, he's, he's, he's handling himself just fine. And uh, they're, they're having, you know, a really back-and-forth kind of standard fencing duel that you'd see in any any swashbuckling movie it's it's nothing complicated but mm-hmm. um d'artagnan has this guy dead to rights but it's yeah. just toying with him and then the dude's like four brothers roll up and chris o'donnell has to take off on his horse and he does his uh he leaps onto the horse he leaps onto the saddle it's, he a, tr- he, it's a trick he does like five times in the I, fucking thank you movie. i noticed it too i'm like he's he's legit doing that yeah though. it's like, like he insisted that no i got i gotta mount this horse i gotta mount it Maybe he was a gymnast or something. It's I don't the know. guy's four brothers, Andre 3000, uh, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese, and then that white kid from Friday Night Lights. Um, Get the all, reference? They're all chasing. <laughs> Go watch Four Brothers. It's a waste of your Saturday. Um, yeah, so they're, they're laying chase. Um, yes. And I was going to ask you what you thought about the chase scenes in this, and this is a good one to start with. Um, It's funny. The, uh, the stunt work in this movie is some it's it's praiseworthy like old hollywood kind of stuff like right. lots of horse tumbles lots of lots of hard falls like lots yeah. of crashes and, you can and, see well, you can see the some of the dirt like oh yeah and they have those trained horses that that are trained to take falls and like fall in a specific way and supposedly they enjoy it um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that's the case but it's like old it's <laughs> no, old-fashioned like it. stuff that you you saw in like old hollywood movies before you know cgi and back when stuntmen were like prized and valued mm. and and they make good use of it all throughout the entire movie the sword fighting is probably the least actually yeah but like the the hard bumps and the falls and tumbles and stuff a a class shit <laughs> like, well i read a couple places that um aram or Kiefer sutherland oliver platt and chris o'donnell went through extensive like six month extensive uh fencing training oh, yeah i didn't notice much doubling which is always welcome like mm. when you can tell like that like for instance, Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. when uh, Lyndon Ashby, Johnny Cage is fighting Scorpion. Yeah, there's certain angles that they keep pulling the camera way back, I and they, like then that—that's that, when he's fucking Tom Cruise. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it may as well be. It's like that's that's when he conveniently starts busting out the wheel kicks and the round kicks and stuff. But then when we get tight, all he's doing is like barroom brawl like haymakers and stuff and then we cut back to a wide angle and he's doing backflips and shit and it's like really obvious doubling but like the sword play in this movie you can tell they tried to have the actors do as much of it as they could uh yeah charlie sheen was still was doing hot shots uh filming hot shots at this time or the minor league maybe Um, one of those major league (laughs) um yeah i got that sense because um his screen time is very limited surprisingly yeah you would think that he would be like a huge part of it being as he's one of the three musketeers yeah and charlie sheen just has like a natural charm to him he, he has that like almost steven seagal like quality to him where it's like what you're doing is not good but but, it's, I, but i like it. but it i works. like it yeah. keep doing it no, <laughs> it's like, your, like your delivery is stilted and weird but no. it's I'm fine with it. <laughs> See, I just think that Charlie Sheen is one of those guys that I can't take seriously. He's, yeah, he's just yeah. funny. Like, yeah, and he, he, he just kind of is kind of weird. He tried out Wall Street, tried Platoon. Like, he did some serious movies, and those are both okay. Uh, I know Platoon is a big deal to some people. I, eh. it, it's a big deal to me. Okay, <laughs> Wall Street also same director. I like Wall Street was pretty good, but like he's funny, and I think that he 
still had like even like his serious parts in this movie i'm like you, yeah, you yeah like enough? like when he's confronting tim curry yeah. he's like, you are going to jail, going to jail. <laughs> i'm going to take you away oh. and it's like it's like what? you first yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so he's being chased by he's being chased by the brothers he escapes them and then he does he pick fights first and then meet his girlfriend, or... Uh, I think he meets the girlfriend beforehand. Okay, so she's inconsequential. Yeah, that whole scene starts out, like, even as an adult watching that scene, I was like, what's happening? Because basically what we have is a situation where we have some action in between, where, um, as Kyle mentioned at the top of this, uh, Tim Curry disbands the Musketeers without telling the king. Yep. Him and Michael Wincott, Rochefort, um, they uh, disband the Musketeers, they have this pretty awesome scene where all the musketeers are gathered in the palace square and uh rochefort dismisses all of them and basically says if one of you resists us shoot the fuck we out will of you. shoot the fuck out of you because if this is the age of gunpowder uh and they do a good job of establishing that in this movie where mm-hmm. there's this it's a it's a fun thematic clash where you have guns and swords and they exist in the same time period and one has clear advantages over the yeah. other um, but this is a story about musketeers who are, you know, swordsmen who defend the honor of the king and are, have like a regal, like stoic way about them that is supposed to be about honor and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, musketeers, musketeers all throw in their shit. They burn most of their stuff and they leave. Except for three. There are Except three, for three. <laughs> there are three musketeers that have not have decided not to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we are they're into- they're the they're the Joker in this situation. Mm. It's like, Why do I care about him? We can take care of him later. We can take care of him. <laughs> it's either one man or the entire mob. The entire mob. <laughs> like it's either three men or he can wait. He can oh. wait. <laughs> so uh we we're introduced by each of them by uh Chris O'Donnell basically picking a fight with each one. And he has it coming with Kiefer Sutherland because he's being a dick. Oh, he's being a dick oh, to yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. No, he he had it coming. And Kiefer Sutherland's not in a good mood, he's probably hung over. Oh, like, he's super blessed. <laughs> like, he, he's like, I'm not in a good mood. And he's like, if well, only they had sunglasses back then. He's seriously. Like, Do you got any lemonade or just something I can sip on that's cold? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he basically, yeah, he picks a fight with Kiefer Sutherland. And he's like, oh, you want to go duel? He's like, yeah, let's go duel. I'm like, all right, I'll see you there at noon. And then he leaves there and he's being chased again by i think the brothers the have brothers found him. catch up to him yeah. in, in like the capital i guess and he he meets oliver platt and he knocks some drink into his sash that was given to him by the queen of america <laughs> yeah and, like i said before oliver platt is one of my favorite character actors he's so funny um michael wincott as well because he's just yeah he's just cool yeah, cool is the right word. He's just cool, man. He still smokes. Cool. Well, I, I have, I, I feel like I came up with, uh, like the best description of what he looks like. Go for it. Michael Wincott is awesome. Looks like a one-eyed French Steven Tyler. <laughs> he does. That is, yep, that is. That's on the what notes. I wrote on my notes while I was watching this film. Yep, that is in this movie. Yes, it's exactly. His hair like. is so big, and this was Aerosmith. And he's got sparkles. Yeah, <laughs> he's got so many sparkles. How tall is he? He looks like he's crazy short. I think he's like five seven or okay. something. He doesn't look like a tall guy. Um, but yeah, so Oliver Platt says, 
He's like, all right. He's like, motherfucker, let's fight it. One. Little pimple. Yeah. <laughs> little pimple. Little pimple. <laughs> it's such a good no, Oliver Platt is always charming. I, I, I'm i always happy to see him. He was in a, a Jackie Chan movie from 2012 called Chinese Zodiac. Oh, wow. Um, he's He plays the ugliest of ugly Americans you can imagine. Oh, wow. And that he's also great. like a government agent. He's basically like the bad guy in the movie, and he's meant to be the slimiest asshole possible. And is he's it, very good. Is at it that. good? Oh, I want to watch that. He's very good. At, no, it's not good. Uh, I want to see his parts though. Maybe, I, maybe I can make a super cut for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't bother with the movie. Um, Charlie Sheen's character is so they're going to duel Oliver Platt and D'Artagnan, and now we're introduced to Charlie Sheen's character just fighting off this French lady. Yeah, like, he's giving her what Bible study? He's reading her. Bible stories in English. I don't know if he's teaching her English or just Bible studies. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is a ruse. Like, you know what you're doing. Well, um, again, his delivery, it's like, you can't quite tell, though. It's like, are you supposed to be sincere right now? Are you actually a man of faith? Like, I, t- I took it as funny. Just, see, I took it as funny, but later on in the movie, no, it's confirmed. He is actually a pious man. Yes, well, the, char- <laughs> well, the, the character of um, Aramis is supposed to be very pious. Yeah. But it's Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he just looks confused all the time. So Even I. when he's fighting people, he does a lot of... Th- I don't know if like the choreographer caught on to like, his facial acting or something, but he gets handed a lot of moves, like a lot of beats in the fighting, oh, where yes. he'll do stuff where he's like fighting people behind him without looking. Yeah. He's like, oh, so I'm supposed to put my sword <laughs> back behind me? Oh, I killed a guy. Whoops. <laughs> I hope that I hope that wasn't real. I won't do. <laughs> listen, I won't do coke today if I can call him Cyclops. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. Don't touch it. I'll come straight. And by from, day, I mean twenty-four hours. <laughs> twenty-four hours. Exactly. <laughs> Kiefer, that has a nice sound to it, doesn't it? Hey, Kiefer, you want to hang out tonight? <laughs> I, I have a, I have a theory. I have no I have no proof of this, but I think that. Kiefer Sutherland was not allowed to hang out with those two because I think that Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen were. Oh, were it was like it was like the actors that some of the actors that played like Jason Voorhees. It's like let's keep him separate from the cast. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, they should not be interacting in between takes. Motherfuckers on probation. <laughs> <laughs> like Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland Kiefer can, cannot be together. <laughs> we think, have a schedule to maintain. Do you think you fuck with them? You're like, hey. uh... Did you drive us to uh, to Taco Bell? We're kind of at the drunk munchies here. Yeah, he's like talking to one of the Teamsters with like sunglasses and like a hood on. <laughs> I'm not Charlie Sheen, by the way. <laughs> I'm Emilio Estevez. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Emilio. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah, uh, long story short, uh, Charlie Sheen is uh, schmoozing with this lady. Her husband comes home. He don't like that. Nope. So he jumps out the window and he falls on Chris O'Donnell. Breaks his fall perfectly, as he puts it. Like um, verbatim. That's what, that is what is said. And uh, Chris O'Donnell gets pissy with him, too. Yeah. Just because, why not? And uh, they arrange a duel for 2 p.m. And yeah, Chris O'Donnell even says, oh, three duels in one day. Like, you, 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 he's learning. He's learning that he's kind of an asshole a little bit. Huh? <laughs> like, like, maybe I should dial it back a bit. shut the fuck up for a minute, huh? Yeah, oh, by the way, I'm also running away from a yeah. currently active duel. He has, <laughs> he has the like, longest duel in history. Four or five dudes that are trying to kill him, and now three more. Like, Yeah, I mean, that contest is not decided. Even up to the end credits of this film, it is still up in the air who won that fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he ends up going to meet them for the duel and duels, and they 
Cardinals men have found the Three Musketeers to arrest them. And this guy says the same line twice, but dies after the second one. Um, oh, wait, do they do they go to the bar first? So there's a couple of little details that happened before this. Um, first, it's small, but um, Chris O'Donnell actually meets Kiefer Sutherland at Musketeer headquarters. Yeah, um, that's when he picks the fight. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's kind of like mourning the, I guess, the disbandment of his of his cadre of people um and then yeah in between the duels though we get a kind of a random scene it, it, i think it's kind of useless actually it bothered me because mm. it was it was weird um it's Kiefer sutherland and charlie sheen hanging out in a very dark dingy bar and rochefort just like walks in with with the king's men mm-hmm. who have red uniforms by the way mm-hmm. musketeers wear blue yeah. <laughs> oh, important note. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Oliver Platt drops uh, a lighting fixture on top of the King's Men. Yeah. And uh, Rochefort gets held up at sword point by the three of them and just leaves. But the one reason we have this scene, because it's not an action beat, it's just like a brief confrontation where very little is said. The one detail that's really important is uh, it's revealed that Rochefort was a musketeer. Yes, it is important. So he knows the three of them. Well, I think that the the reason why they're coming after him is because it was an all-hands muster. Like, we need all of you guys here. If you're not here, it's going to be an act of treason, I yeah. think is what, what the point was. No, they I, don't I, say I get that. it. It's just the, the actual events that transpire there. It's like, there's not much that happens. That yeah. would have been a nice spot for, like, an action beat or something. But it's, it's very lackadaisical, and the only... The only real important information that changes hands in that scene is that oh, Rochefort was a musketeer. You got you got to introduce it somehow. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a few too many reveals towards the end of this movie, so I guess it's important to get it in early. Well, I think to we space gotta, it out a bit. We have to remember the source material here. This is a book. Yeah. So he might have been a much more important character in the book. I haven't read that book, but I'm not really sure. Maybe someday. Maybe. No, probably not. I'd rather read the Count of Monte Cristo. Um. Another thing to remember also, I believe when this book was written, the Catholic Church was in its plateau at the height of its powers. Like, it was, it was, especially in Europe, like, it was, the, the Catholic Church, whatever it said, went. And that's why the Cardinal is so high up. Oh, yeah, the, the papacy was uh, quite, quite powerful. Quite powerful. <laughs> um, I learned quite a bit about the Catholic Church at the university. I went to a Jesuit college. Oh. And, um, Seattle University, um. Apparently there was a, there was a brief time there where um, popes were just like they thought of themselves as like uh, kings basically they would like dress they and basically like battle. were they I mean they were beyond kings yeah no I mean a, a king rules over a land they rule over a people yeah pretty much spread out across the entire planet that's why Tim Curry is so cocky in this because he's just like I run oh yeah he's game. he's just like stroking it in every scene that's why he wears the big robe yeah. so you can't see it yeah. <laughs> he's stroking it nice. <laughs> He's stroking it. He's, he's just Nine like half chub throughout the entire fucking movie. Uh, so yeah, we get a cool... We get our... Uh, the Cardinals break up the duel between the three of them. He's like, oh, you guys are musketeers. Chris O'Donnell sees... Funny little detail. When uh, when they show up for the duel with Chris O'Donnell, the, mm-hmm. the lot of them, uh, they all have their musketeer gear on. Mm-hmm. Their blue musketeer robes, uh, which as soon as the King's Men roll up, it's like, oh... Well, I guess you're the musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, there's three of you. He's like, I've, I've been looking I've been looking for you guys and he's like, We found us. He's like, Well, it's gonna be no 
no honor in me killing you today. And they're, they're still going to fucking fight him. Like, you know, he's, he was trying to find you guys. You could. Okay, fine. Don't hold brother <laughs> up. Um, but that's broken up. And uh, they're going to resist arrest. Of course, well, you, seriously, of course we're going to resist. Just give us a minute to, a minute to group yeah, here. Their little huddle is actually very cute. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed that. Um, so they're, they're duking it out. Uh, no musketeers die right now. Um, <laughs> of course, because it's a movie. Um, but they basically... They defeat the guys. Yeah, um, important to note. Uh, despite being a Disney movie, uh, death does happen quite readily in this film. Um, it's it's kind of funny in in these kind of swashbuckling movies, like especially for little kids, like Hook, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rufio and Rochefort get very similar deaths. Very similar. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of pressure to minimize the violence so you know kids can watch it because that's primarily the audience for it, for this kind of entertainment at least at that point yeah. in time. Um, so they do this thing in a lot of in a lot of like American movies, especially like old Hollywood stuff. Like I don't know what it is about white guys and swinging on ropes, but <laughs> like white white guys just love swinging on ropes we and drop it. kicking fools. I fucking love it. I always, I always thought it was the coolest thing. I would pretend like I was swinging on a rope when I had a rope swing. It wasn't. Low I enough. don't know what it is, but just like it if looks... a white guy sees a rope, he's got to grab it. <laughs> Best white guy rope swing: Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner when he saves John, uh, little John's wife. You just he looks at it too. He sees it. Oh, and he, yeah. do, he does the instincts. Like a... They just kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> he had to hold himself back because he was like, "I'm gonna jump." For... No, he's like, he... Mm-hmm. Yeah. he does like a little, a little nudge like he's gonna do. No, it. he looked at it and. <laughs> in his Terminator vision. He's going, beep, 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 yeah. Eagle yeah. 1, Fox 3. <laughs> it would have been better if he was just like, <laughs> That's what it should be. I mean, uh, it should be fucking Harold and Kumar. Extreme! Of uh, Rufio dying and Hook, spoiler alert, uh, that's a heavy death in that Dante movie. Dante Bosco. <gasps> Dante Bosco! Because no. it's, it's tough. That's a tough death to swallow on that movie. Oh, yeah. No, everybody loved Rufio. He was Three of the, the shortest people in film history. Dante Bosco's voice has not changed it an octave no. since he was, like, five. <laughs> yeah. Robin Williams, and then, like, an inch below that, you have Dustin Hoffman. And, like, two inches below that, you have Rufio. There you go. Oh, what about, like, Linda Hunt? <laughs> but I think Linda I think Linda Hunt can beat Linda the shit. Hunt versus Danny DeVito I think Linda Hunt can beat the shit out of all three of them I saw her in T2 oh yeah she was she, buff no that's Linda Hamilton oh who, Linda what? Hunt is the, the oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, Kindergarten Rel- Cop yes um, the year of living dangerously was the big one but uh, Relic she was in that's what I was going to say she was in something I just watched recently yeah. short people but anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah um, people die in this fight scene is yes. what I'm trying to get at and uh, they do they die via sword, and they die via falling. Yeah. And uh, we get a little tidbit here where uh, Charlie Sheen says a prayer for one of the dead people, that one of the guys who Chris O'Donnell killed. Yeah. And it's just like a little side bit that add, it's attempting to add depth to his character. Yeah. It's like, oh, he gives a shit. He, yeah, he, he takes it seriously. Uh, they well, all take, well, yeah, while well, he stabs people. There's only two that people, like, one takes their drinking seriously, and one takes death very seriously. Mm-hmm. Oliver Platt doesn't take anything seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for some reason, the, the musketeers take off, and then Chris O'Donnell's like, oh, I gotta go do some other shit. But then the Cardinals' men come, and they end up. Rochefort takes him out. Takes him out. And he's put in the dungeon. Uh, 
Rochefort puts two and two together. He's like, oh, I killed the fuck out of his dad. He's he's like, like, he grabs his sword. This is a nice sword. <laughs> the magnificent sword. The, I think the, the only reason why he's being arrested is because he was associated with them. And then he pieces it together like, oh, you're his son. So, Well, he also killed a dude. Yeah, he, yeah, he <laughs> killed the answer. He did, he did kill the man. But he wasn't there when that happened. Yeah. I think what he just saw was like, oh. There's bodies everywhere. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Uh, but he ends up escaping, and we're introduced to Rebecca de Mornay. So, real quick, I don't know if you've seen Rebecca de Mornay in anything besides Risky Business. No, I think that's it for me. So, Rebecca de Mornay is probably one of the most beautiful actresses ever. I think she's gorgeous. Oh, um, yeah, she has a presence about her, for sure. Yes, she's a bombshell. Um, she was in a movie called And God Created Woman, where she is, I believe, a female con artist or something. Um, she, I've seen it, if, well, I've seen some of it a few times. Um, it's an 80s movie. She escapes from prison, and it has Frank Langella hey. and, and her. Big guy. And it is <laughs> softcore porn. Like, oh. she shows all of it several times, and there are some gratuitous sex scenes. Okay. Um, not quite as gratuitous as Predator 2. That one was, that was right there. That was hardcore. That was NC-17. They had to stuff. build a brand new camera rig just to frame that correctly. Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I was introduced to her. That's when I saw her. She all should not be in this movie, because she is in a different movie. She is in, like, Dangerous Liaisons, like, Great Expectations, Seductive. Like, this is a Disney movie, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, and there's a couple of angles in this movie that are like, Woman! <laughs> Woman is on camera! She threatens to cut his dick off. Like, Yeah, that's actually one of the better lines in the whole movie. He goes to squeeze some, some boobs, and yeah. she's... I like his face, too. He's like... <laughs> He gets a snarl. Yeah, he gives, he gives an ultimate it. warrior scrunk. Just oh. like, oh. he turns like he turns into something else. Um, he turns into an incubus or something. Um, but yeah, he she goes. I didn't. I still don't get that joke. The, she goes. He's like, snap of my fingers, I can send you back out on the streets. He's like, and with a flick of my wrist, I could change your religion. Oh, circumcision. Oh, I, <laughs> I could make you into a oh Jew. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's one of the best lines. Because I was thinking castration, and I'm like, what, what religion do you castrate? <laughs> not, not the whole thing, Kyle. Like, just, I remember, the, just the tip. I remember the, the tip. The, the, like, when Genghis Khan, I know those guys, you know, I thought they Krippendorf's tribe <laughs> that, that's pretty funny I could change that is such a good joke oh my god I'm glad we you. cleared that up thank you <laughs> circumcision uh, so yeah so she is a part of the cardinals um, plan to overthrow the throne she yes. is a messenger uh, she's also a widower of a count so she's hella rich yeah um, but she's not a good person no. for more than one reason. And yeah, she's and a, she she lets you know with the tone of her voice, like she's got some. She's evil. She's got some a lot of dead people in her closet. <laughs> um, but yes, Chris O'Donnell is found. He's heard everything that they're saying. There's some kind of important time when something's going to be passed off. Same thing in Count of Monte Cristo. There's an exchanging at a certain time. Like meet me at midnight with this little envelope to send to somebody. So what am I supposed to do? Find a sundial or some shit? Jesus. And then, like, bug some bartender, like, what time is it? What time? Fuck. What time is it? <laughs> the hourglass went out of sand. <laughs> they could have been, like, two hours ago when it ran out. It's like, did what? you flip it at exactly the right moment, or did you wait a while? How? Did you wait a while? How do you know when to turn those things? I, I don't, don't know. I how do does, not How does it. one keep proper time... In an age before Timex. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how people bought plane tickets before the internet. So. 
it's a mystery. I don't know how they did it. Um, but yeah, Chris O'Donnell is found out again. Yeah. And he tells, he basically is like, suck my dick, man. Like, I'm not telling you shit. Even if I did know where they were going, I wouldn't tell you. Um, so he's going to get his head cut off in the morning. Uh, he's done pissed off the wrong person. So he's going to get his head cut off the next day. And he's taking it pretty well, I'd say. Um, yeah, no, he's not like whimpering or like saying prayers or anything. He's just kind of hanging out. No pee stains, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So, also, I forgot to mention that um, Michael Michael Wincott Rochefort. He, it's funny. He says it by his first name. He says, "What's your What's your first name?" He goes, "D'Artagnan." He's like, "D'Artagnan." How do I know that name? <laughs> That's and, a name I've not heard since. And then he looks over at wanders off. Rochefort, and he's like, yeah, the, his dad took my eye. I'm like, how the fuck would you get that from his first name? Maybe. I did I did like that that was exchanged through gesture. Because mm-hmm. Tim Curry's on the other side of Chris O'Donnell, and he just like points to his, he gesture. just points to his eye patch. And he's like, <clears throat> oh. But you see his face light up. And he's like, oh. 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 I think it's because he hates Rochefort. But, uh, <laughs> I think he does. He's, I think he does. Rochefort... Is the Starscream of this movie? Like, if if you are at all familiar with the Megatron Starscream dynamic, basically Starscream is the whipping boy. Mm-hmm. Who Starscream, his charm was always that he was trying to usurp uh, Megatron's position. He was always trying to take over. Rochefort doesn't seem to be that ambitious, but man, he gets ordered to do pretty much everything. Like, if there was a toilet seat to be lifted, he would be told to lift it. He is the same <laughs> character in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Is- yeah, no. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe there was a stigma against Michael Wincott back in the day, but it's just like he's always like the secondary villain. He's not the chief villain. But think about who he's second to in that movie. Alan Rickman and and yeah, Robin good Hood. good luck trying to top that, buddy. And then Tim Curry, two of the greatest British uh, over the top villains you can have. Like these guys have got it down. Like they yeah. were built to play those characters, and like you're just kind of weaselly. You're not weaselly enough to be a weasel. And you're not quite a leading guy. Well, and your bone structure makes it difficult. Like, if he was to go over the top and try to be goofy like like the two of them are doing, no. it wouldn't sell. No. Like, it would just be weird. He's a very... I think he does well in Alien Resurrection. Like, he's just kind of quiet and reserved. Yeah, um, no, he's he's very good for what he is in that movie. All five minutes of it. But, um, actually, I really liked him in this. Um, he's good. When he finally gets to throw down at the end, mm-hmm. damn, he, he earns it all back. Like, what whatever, like expectations you had for him because there's a lot of build-up to him doing something in this movie and he does he does everything you expect him to when he when chris o'donnell finds out he knew his father's like you knew my father he goes oh yes (laughs) yeah he just you know comes just a little bit just he's like i've been waiting to tell you for so oh my god i've been waiting for this oh and even his body language when he whips off like his coat and he's just like okay let's do this dude i'm ready he's just ready to go training yeah no he's like i was there every day he's he does an incredible job considering how many cigarettes he smokes Oh yeah, his stamina, man. I'm sure he got like two strokes every, like every take, just like ting ting. <laughs> I was like, okay, cut. Ting ting. <laughs> no, no filter. <laughs> um, so where are we at? So he's about to be beheaded. Now yeah. I I read that I think there's a few books that Alexander Dumas wrote about the Three Musketeers and this scene in particular the, um, the Three Musketeers are gonna break him out because yeah. they've got a crush on him. They're like we like this kid. Yeah. Um, he's the whoopie. So this actually happened in one of the books, not in this book that the the film is based off of, but another book. I think it seems that like a popular 
I mean, there's too many parallels between this and like any Robin Hood story ever told. I'm pretty sure the same scenario happened there. The, pretty and, sure the same thing happened with William Wallace at some point. Like, ah, uh, possibly. I don't. It I, seems to be a very common trope in medieval stories. Yeah, is the hero gets about. captured and then his friends save him. Oh, he oh. gets when William when, Wallace doesn't get saved that time. But uh, when, he, when he gets captured, he gets captured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then but, some. But yeah, I seem to remember something like this playing out in like Robin Hood. Yeah, uh, that's at the end. That, yeah, the that's the, the whole end. I mean, I think that was actually in the Robin Hood that I grew up with, the Adventures of Robin Hood from the 1930s. Jesus, I can't believe you watched that. It's on my fucking shelf, man. I love that movie, <laughs> and that's part of why movies like this just don't quite work for me. It's because I grew up with fucking that. Yeah. Um, pretty sure. I think pretty sure the archery tournament um directly plays into him being put on the chopping block and uh robin hood men in tights the hangman scene is maybe this maybe one maybe the best scene in that whole it is fucking, it is the, only the hangman is fucking great oh, oh no, um, um fagalus that's yeah. that's the best fagalus is pretty good i that's, like the uh, hangman and the godfather i think those my favorite oh dom de dom de <laughs> You're absolutely My right. My favorite is when the dude is explaining, like, he keeps repeating things back verbatim as to, like, what's going to happen. I will take this tissue from you and put it in my pocket. <laughs> and Dom DeLuise has this part where the guy, like, talks right before he's about to. And he's like, I was just going to say that. And he grabs this bag of nuts and he throws it at him. <laughs> <laughs> he just gives him this look like, you fucking shithead. Oh. <laughs> Welcome, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> welcome back to the Chris Farley show. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's we're trying to walk a line here of like not the Chris Farley show and actually trying to <laughs> positively critique. Well, movies we're talking we like. about movies that yeah. have something yeah. in common with this, and yeah. I mean those were somewhat contemporaries. Anyway, back yeah. so well, they're at the fucking. I, was, I wasn't scolding you. I was just like, I see what he's saying now. Like, yeah. where this isn't the Chris Farley show, I'm like, yeah, I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> I've definitely done some Chris Farley, Chris Farley show here. So bringing it back to the Three Musketeers. Yeah. They're there. The Three Musketeers. Yes. Yeah, so they bust him out and they go on a carriage. This was one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the carriage. Is the carriage scene. Really? You get a lot of good Oliver Platt. This is, oh. a, this is a good, this is good I, Oliver I guess Platt. If, I guess if that's what, what's drawing your eye. Yeah. I didn't get much out of it. But. That's, that's what I liked. It was just the, I just like the Oliver Platt. I, mean, I mean, the music during all the chase scenes is like the best music in the movie. I think mm-hmm. Michael Kamen did a good job doing his best John Williams impression. But yeah, so they they are they basically bust Chris O'Donnell out and they're on the run. Yeah, and they end up staying the night at some they stay the night at some castle or like some um, town. I'm not sure where. Yeah, it's, at. it's like a tavern or an inn. Um, and, and this is the winching scene. This is the winching scene, which is. I think that's why is because now we get some. This is the part where we're starting to get more Oliver Platt. Yeah, and we're getting more funny stuff to the to the story. Well, this is the this is finally the moment where I mean the Three Musketeers have not had much screen time no. up to this point. It's mostly been the D'Artagnan show, and Tim Curry chewing Correct. chewing all the scenery. Well, Man in the Iron Mask, the same thing. It's all about Gabriel Byrne as D'Artagnan. Like he's the main character. Well, no, he's the main character. I'd yeah, say. absolutely. And uh, this scene though is when we finally slow things down a bit and have some good conversation moments where we get to we get to learn a little a few more facets of these characters um yeah oliver platt's basically showing him like here's how you kiss a lady and charlie sheen's like you idiot this is how you do it and then yeah so there's there's again there's there's supposed to be like three different types of mentors at least in my mind so 
Oliver Platt's method of wenching, as he calls it. Which I do like. <laughs> I do like the term. I, I, like the I will term. never use it in, nope. in daily speech, but nope. on this podcast, I like it. Um, his method is just dive right in. Dive right in. Just, like, attack the mouth and don't let go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the lady seems happy with it. Yeah, she digs it. Yeah, she's she's very happy with it. Um, she's probably being paid, but... Um, yeah. And, yeah, Charlie Sheen, though, his method is to recite a poem, which uh, I don't actually know if it's borrowed from Shakespeare or if it's an original poem. Well, it's, he might be... The King James Bible is written by Shakespeare. I learned that from uh, Brendan Gleeson in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Kings of New York. He, don't tell them that! <laughs> no, Bill Shakespeare was. He's the guy that wrote the King James Bible. Uh, I'm guessing that's uh, who they're basing this off of. But, okay. yeah, it's probably... It is Shakespeare, I do believe, that he's yeah. quoting. So Charlie Sheen uses a flowery poem to woo the, woo the wench. The same wench, by the way. And uh, then he gives her a very romantic smooch. And then um, Chris O'Donnell tries his luck. He he tries both methods in reverse. Yeah, both methods <laughs> in reverse. Uh, and that, then that winch, by the way, mm, the, the winch he chooses. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. And no, we're not comfortable um, calling women winches. This is where they're referring to in the, the in the credits. They're they credited, winches. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> winch one, winch boobs, and winch three. Win, winch winch boobs. He went for winch boobs. Yes. yes. Uh, winch um, boobs was yes. Yes. Uh, Probably one of those little things I remembered from when I was like six. <laughs> And then we, we we go over to Hi, I'm Kiefer and I'm an alcoholic Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, uh, when we get the downbeat moment. The buzzkill. God, yeah. he's such a fucking buzzkill. Seriously. Like he's like he's like, what do we tell us to So Chris O'Donnell goes over to talk to him and he's like, Hey, he's like, Oh, you can fight like a man, see if you can drink like one. Which is the dumbest thing you can say to somebody, by the way. Oh, see if you can drink like a man. There's no such thing. Drink like a man, you have two glasses of wine, then go to sleep. That's what <laughs> Don't chug whiskey, idiots. Um, but he goes over there, and he's drinking. He's like, what do we cheers to? He's like, it's cheers of love. And he's like, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a buzzkill. Oh, you want to you wanna cheers to love, huh? Let me give you a really weird story for no fucking reason. And yeah. yeah. So it's basically, not, it's not prophetic or you know. Let me tell you foreshadowing this. anything whatsoever. Let me tell you the subplot of this movie real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he like pulls out the script like <laughs> subplot. <Yeah. laughs> okay, let's, let's skip ahead a bit. <laughs> oh, that blonde chick from Risky Business. She's gonna come back. Yeah, um, she's not gonna get naked, but it's gonna be worth her time. I swear. Oliver Platt. Boom. <laughs> He's six four, by the way. He's a big guy. He's huge. He's a big guy. Uh, Michael Sarah and him. <laughs> that is a Michael's, size discrepancy. Michael Sarah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <a> year one. <laughs> oh, you got to go one episode without mentioning year one. <laughs> cannot. Oh, <laughs> uh, cannot. Um, yeah. So he slams down the table, having a great time. Oh, he's in. He's in. Uh, what is it? I'm. I want to dance. And yeah. he starts dancing. And then uh, Kiefer Sutherland knocks him out because he ruined his happy time with uh, Yeah, with I, I didn't quite get that. It was just like the oddest of scene transitions. It's like, what do we do here? It's like, it's hit him. But we get the, <laughs> Look at the size of his head. You can't hurt him if you try. <laughs> we get one of my favorite things. I didn't realize it until I watched it this last time. A Kiefer Sutherland chuckle. Oh, yeah. It, he was like a... <laughs> it, it's really... He, he is a nice little chuckle. And it's like... Because he, I'd never see him in movies where he laughs. I've never no. heard him laugh. I can't recall actually. He doesn't laugh in Dark City, does he? <laughs> I hope not. I'm, yeah, I'm playing a nerd in this movie. Yeah, somehow. He, he probably had a, He would have a seizure if he was in character trying to laugh. So I mean, we're we're cruising along here. Um, 
they're gonna get ambushed here in a minute but real quick pirates of the caribbean yeah um and i, I think i text this to you i'm like this was how somebody sold pirates of the caribbean well it's a funny example because I, I feel like you're probably right but the the production history of pirates of the caribbean is one of those like long stories yeah. where it's like, apparently the the top brass at disney won nothing to do with it um the head producers were all just like no get that shit off my desk every time somebody would bring in the script and eventually it was just like through sheer force of will that i think it was like jerry bruckheimer got involved and they got gore verbinski to direct it but it took years for this to get greenlit and i feel like both of these movies though have that in common where they both have that old hollywood appeal Mm -hmm. where somebody in a position of power looked at the script looked at the possibilities of it and saw it as like an opportunity to pay tribute in like a mel brooks kind of way Mm -hmm. to that which came before yeah because these like these older folks in positions of power are like yeah, I grew up with cowboy movies and Errol Flynn and stuff. I want to see horses and I want to see some white guys on some ropes, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> um, uh, but the Pirates of the Caribbean made me think of it because they go on an actual pirate ship. It's it's an old ship, but and I saw it, I'm like, swashbuckling, pirate ship. I'm like, well, Disney, those like, movies, it was coming. Those movies were really big at a certain point in yeah. time. Not so much anymore. No. But... Yeah, I, I mean the the ship in this movie. They somebody took the time to construct or rent a fucking ship yeah, yeah. and That's put it in a sound stage with all the fog machines. Um, yeah, so they stay the night there, and then they're leaving, and then they're getting bombed at by this castle. Um, yeah, it's kind, s- it's kind of a useless action beat. The only reason it's there is to uh, emphasize the point that Tim Curry has sent off. A thousand carrier pigeons yes. to all of France. So now all the mercenaries and all the land are on their tail. And we even get like a, a goofy scene where a bunch of guys that look, look like they're dressed in uniforms, but I think they're all just supposed to be individual mercenaries. They're like, it's like a hundred guys on horses chasing. Them. I always think of it as uh, season or season um, episode four when the bounty hunters is like, these are the best bounty hunters in the galaxy. Yeah. They're going to I mean, go where, find. Where's boss? Where's yeah. the lizard man? <laughs> yeah. Where's IG 88? <laughs> I had that toy. Um, not IG 88. I had the other dude. You had um, Bosk, the lizard man? You know what's really funny is that fat guy who cries when the big Banta dies at oh, the end man. of Jedi. He, he was just crestfallen. Like Dude, he, he took it hard. Yeah, he raised that probably from like a pup. Like you That's could tell tough, he, his heart was in it. He cries like a little girl. Jeez. Um <laughs> But yeah, so we have an action sequence. I don't really want to talk about um Tim Curry's whispering serpent to the like the queen and the king like he's manipulating them and he's doing a good job yeah, the queen subplot was very I could take it or leave it I'd probably leave it to be honest it's that we don't need it I mean both uh, the king and her are dumb so you take like the sincerity of Chris O'Donnell's character and you dial it up way up to like 11 to the point where they're unlikable where it's yeah. like okay i get it you're this pure soul that like young, young love and all that i just think that the, the actors are so like they're just bringing different tones to the movie the movie has the same tone i feel like it's just the actors like the, the character how they're playing the character changes the tone yeah um the movie pretty much stays the same it's whimsical and actiony but yeah just rebecca de mornay's and like uh this is this is not that movie this is a yeah. disney movie. <laughs> yeah um 
So, which brings us to a confrontation in the wilderness. Yes. Where our group gets separated. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland decides he and D'Artagnan are going to break off. Mm-hmm. So, him and Chris O'Donnell are in the woods. They're being shot at from many, many, many different angles. They're pinned down. Yeah, it's uh, Mel Gibson in the woods with a hatchet. Uh, it, you think it's a bunch of people, but uh, he's just moving like a ghost through there. He's got all kinds of guns. Well, unfortunately, they don't have his sons with them, yeah. so they can't maintain the illusion. Aim small, miss small. Um, <laughs> so they're they're getting shot at, and Kiefer Sutherland's like, dude, you have to get back and warn the dudes about this. And then Chris O'Donnell's like, no, I can't let you die here. He's like, I'll fucking shoot you, dude. And then he, he leaves. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell goes as hard as he can, then he, Gladiator, falls off his horse and falls yeah, asleep. actually, um, it's very apt. <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> he gets picked up by Rebecca de Mornay, and she's like, he's cute, let's take him back. Yeah. And, so they uh, put him in the carriage, and he wakes up in her chamber. Um, I don't think she saw him when he gets captured by Wincott. No. So she doesn't know who he no, is. she doesn't know but uh, he's young and dumb, and he's explaining the rest. Of the, he's explaining the plot of the movie to her, and she's like, "Oh <laughs> fuck, you are warning the king about me." Yeah. So, who is the Asian uh, guy playing Parker? Oh, I can't remember his name, but he is in so many movies. He's in a lot of um, stuff. He was in Lethal Weapon Four. <laughs> yep. He's in Lethal Weapon Four. I believe he's in one of the Rush Hour movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's in a lot of movies. Yeah. I believe he's Chinese. I recognized him. Um, um, he's there. For a very specific reason, die. <laughs> to, uh, to die to die in a uh, Indiana Jones inspired fashion. Have you heard of Oliver Platt? Yeah, you're gonna die by his hand. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, that makes sense. I mean, he's enormous. It's um, like, how, how does he get out? Like, she can't leave because oh no, no, she does take him with, but her brother in law is coming to kill her or some shit, so she has to sneak out the back we, door. We get some silly bullshit. We get some silly shenanigans, which I guess speaks to the fact that this was based off of apparently multiple books yeah um she they have a struggle she tries to shank him mm-hmm. and he manages to f- fight her off a little bit and she's like five three yeah he's gonna yeah <laughs> good point he's got her but uh and if i remember right she and her her guys take off in a hurry and they bring him along yeah bring him with and uh they head off to the ship, which is what got Kyle thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean. The Nautilus, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was something Greek, and I think you're right. I think that's what um, it was. And yeah, they get to the ship, and turns out the entire crew is dead when they get on the deck. It's a real Jurassic World. Is this the second time? It's the, the Lost World. There was another we just talked about. Uh, Deep Rising. Deep Rising, yeah. Oh, they got ghost shipped. Ghost shipped. They got ghost <laughs> um, So yeah, everybody's dead, and turns out that... Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen are ahead of them somehow. We get some great comedic scenes here. Uh, by this is Oliver. where we get the trailer, sh- the trailer ah, shot. Ah, yeah, where uh, the <laughs> unfortunate Asian man does some, uh, you know, Kiai does some kung fu posturing, and uh, Oliver Platt responds in kind with, ah, 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 and then he chops a rope that opens a trap door that causes him to fall and maybe die he waves at him i would assume there's an alligator down there but i, can't, I, I thought I can't of it as it. just a pale imitation of you know indiana jones shooting the swordsman so it's like hey we need an ethnic guy <laughs> to die in a silly fashion <laughs> after putting on a cool display um nobody swings on a rope in this scene i don't think nope, or, or they maybe do. they do yeah they you're do. right they do yep. A lot of people get thrown overboard because that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's it's effective. I mean, it's hard to get up out of the water like and that. And yeah, there are ropes. It is a ship. 
There's and, and you abs- can sure as hell bet there are some white guys swinging on them. Like, <laughs> you think that we're going to have ropes available on a ship and not have white dudes swinging from them? You are mistaken. It's like, I, that just seemed extraneous. Like, why did you do that? It's like, do you see how many fucking ropes there are? <laughs> you see the rope burn on his hands. <laughs> Charlie Sheen's is like, oh, ouch, my hands. Or, <laughs> you see somebody slide down, they didn't, like... No, 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 I know how to do it. And then they didn't know to use their feet, and you use the hand to balance yourself a little bit, and you actually use the feet to slide down. Oh, I would have loved to have seen, like, Oliver Platten, Platt like, Charlie Sheen, like, like running around with, like, burnt Mother hands. Fucker! <laughs> Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland shows up late, and he's like, what are you shitheads doing? Are you playing on those ropes again? <laughs> Calm down, Dad. Yeah, uh, speaking of which, he does show up. He does show up. To, uh, with no fanfare. He just survived like a hundred guys shooting at him. So I actually, um, yeah, he just survived that. He uh, just shows up at the ship and meets he Rebecca De Mornay. He calls her Sabine. And it's interesting. I read that she's referred to by several names because she's kind of a con artist. Uh, like well, she, yeah, she, she's a hard woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she goes by different names. And this is one of the names she does not go by. She's never been gone, gone by the name he calls her. Um, that would have been pretty funny if she just was like. What? What? <laughs> um, so Did you she, forget my name, asshole? <laughs> she's been marked a traitor. Uh, subplot. Like literally marked. Yeah, literally <laughs> marked. Um, she's going to get beheaded in the morning. Uh, Philip Tan, by the way, is the Asian film. There we go. <laughs> um, she's going to be beheaded in the morning. And this is one of those de- This is one of those scenes in the movie that really, like, kind of like Rufio dying. Like, this was a really heavy scene for me is that instead of being beheaded, oh yeah, she jumps off a cliff. No, and in, in my notes here, I said, Rebecca de Mornay's arc is supremely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is supremely fucked up because she just jumps off. Like, as a kid, you're like, oh, damn. So this is even uh, even crazier because she was about to be put to murder. Uh, she's about to be put to death for, for murder. But she's literally... Like given an out, like she's asking for forgiveness, she's gonna die. And she commits suicide. If you are not well versed in Catholic in Catholicism, yeah, you go you straight to hell. to hell. Straight to hell. And I grew up religious, so I knew like I knew that watching this, I'm like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> damn, like this is a really heavy <laughs> moment, especially considering how much Catholicism is a part of this movie. Oh yeah. It's it's a really interesting thing to throw in. I'm sure it's in the book too. I think that's probably why they kept it. It's, um, that's a weird thing to keep, though. For a Disney movie. For a Disney movie, that's yeah. heavy. Quite a few Americans and who are Catholic, and then would, kids especially would understand. Like, that's something you learn early on, too, is all the bad shit you're yeah. not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and they cut to a wide shot of her falling, too. Yeah. Um, they didn't have to do that. No. She could have just gone off the edge, and you have a music cue, and Keith or Sutherland going, no. Ah. But no, they, they show her at yeah. distance. I mean, the, the impact is obscured by a rock, but you see... I don't know if it's a dummy, but but <laughs> but you see someone fall, and yeah, she. I don't know what she was thinking. She probably wasn't, but <laughs> I don't think. I just think she didn't want to die by somebody else's hand. I think she's like, "Fuck you guys, you're not getting me." <laughs> <laughs> she Titanosaurus is herself. If you saw Danny McBride and This Is the End, where he just goes out to the smoke with the middle fingers, <laughs> that's kind of what she does. Um, so yeah, now the. The big thing is we're moving up to the king's uh, birthday, which yeah. is it's a huge deal uh, because it one it's supposed to tell the people of France they're about to go to war, and he's like we don't want to cancel your birthday because we want people to think that everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason why is because the cardinal is going to have the king assassinated that day. Oh yeah, 
And that's the big thing that the Musketeers have to go stop. And kind of heading into that now. Yeah, so by by intercepting her and getting that information, they've prevented this dark alliance from occurring. Very important, yeah. She tells Kiefer Southern right before she jumps off the cliff. Yeah. So now, though, is the business of uh, reestablishing the Musketeers and getting the, getting the king rightly on the throne. <laughs> is that you notice that music pops up here and there? The reason why I wanted you to watch that music video too, yeah, because every time the, you hear it, you just think of those guys. Yeah, the, the melody is it does find its it worms its way into your oh, brain. It's there, and it pops up throughout the movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we get a rally the troops montage. I I like a good rally the troops montage. Well, this is a decent one. Yeah. It it is very convenient though, given how many people we saw burn all their shit. They have backup uniforms. You got you got more than one uniform. Do they though? I think it's <laughs> them ripping them off was symbolic. I don't think they had to do that, but it was that was like yeah, fine. No, I mean, if you if you like kept the camera rolling just like a second longer, some asshole would have run into the fire and like grabbed the sword. And been like, <laughs> oh fuck! Actually, <laughs> actually, I do need this. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, the three musketeers ride through all of France, I'm guessing, and uh, put up like shoot. They do a very Robin Hood thing yeah, here. Yeah, that's where exactly they, what they I was shoot. Thinking. They shoot arrows and notes against trees, saying basically, "Let's all come to the palace together and storm the castle." Yes, they they rally the troops, and we don't really get too far. Like we we're like okay, they get into the. They get into the palace, and it's just the three of them, as far as we know. That's what they think, too. It's like, well, hope some people show up today. Yeah. Literally. Well, well yeah. Um, everything Everything is set up for a sniper. Yes. Um, so the palace scenario, and this is the climax of the movie, where, yeah. if you ask me, this is where the movie finds itself entirely. Like, the rest of the time, like Kyle mentioned, um, the, the tone does kind of... It dips and dives into some weird spots where it's like, I can't quite tell what you're trying to make me feel right now. Yeah. Um, but the last half hour of this movie is solid. Yeah. It's solid, enjoyable stuff. Um, so Tim Curry's plot, uh, Richelieu, <laughs> is a, he has a sniper posted up on like the balcony overlooking the square. And the idea is his man is going to take out the king as he's overlooking the crowd. Yes. So the team splits up and Chris O'Donnell is going after the sniper and i guess the rest of the musketeers though are on the ground yes and then we get this like massive brawl where um chris o'donnell intercepts the sniper at the moment he's firing and then the jig is up so tim curry's like into the palace yeah. <laughs> oh that was close <laughs> stay in your rooms <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, you were smooching with my brother. Uh, <laughs> you were smooching with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best part of that yeah. second one. Um, yeah, he runs into the palace to get his cheese pizza. <laughs> a pizza. Brought to you with compliments of the Plaza Hotel. Um, he he goes in and then he's just like, eh, fuck it. Um, I was going to kill you. Now, yeah. now I've got so you. So now like, the cardinal finally reveals his true colors. And he's yeah. just like, fuck you, king. I'm yeah. going to take your throne. And then in the square, turns out all the townspeople were mostly musketeers. And they whip off all their fake disguises and they have their blues on real quick my favorite tim curry scene in this is where he's like uh he, he tells him the whole plan like any bond villain will do 
and he's like he sits on the throne he's like but there's still room for a queen she's like i'd rather die and he gets up and goes that could be arranged <laughs> like, it's fucking good no it was it was great because he maintains his composure throughout the entire film yes basically. he does it's like that one moment because he's been, we haven't talked about this because we kind of haven't been talking about the queen because her subplot yeah. sucks yeah but this whole time he's just again he is stroking it through every scene he's yeah. in and he keeps making these innuendos and like allusions to to getting it on because mm-hmm. there's kids in the audience and they're the ones who are watching so it's like as a kid you're watching this you're like i know he's creepy right now but i don't know what he's talking about yeah but as an adult it's like oh damn dude like well, he's he's a little rapey right now <laughs> like well he even says to rebecca de mornay when he sees her he's like you would make even the most chaste man like blush or something like that she's like you don't have the burden of chastity <laughs> yeah no You're he he, he is just he just oozes sexuality throughout this entire movie well if you've seen rocky horror picture show you know that he oozes sexuality yeah um <laughs> but yeah that that one scene when he's yelling at the queen is like his his one moment where he gets to just like yeah he gets to finally scream yeah real quick here i have a note that i wrote earlier in the movie um while i was watching it tim curry's acting method consists of repositioning his head with every point of emphasis also he is horny as fuck throughout (laughs) the entire movie oh yes he's very horny i think it's just um yeah he does this thing where like every couple words he like dips and ducks his head and just like gets a different angle I think that <laughs> if you think about how he plays, I've seen the clips of him playing the devil in Legend, and uh-huh. like he's very sexual in that. And oh, yeah. but him playing, uh, I can't think of, is it Doctor Frankenfurter in uh, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show? Unfortunately, I haven't seen it. Oh God, that, we can't even do an episode on that because you just need to watch it. I know it's so good. I, um, <laughs> I don't even like musicals, and it's just really good. Spe- he's the best part of it. Um, but he in that movie, especially, he's just very. Very sexual in the way he talks. That's when he's being bad. I think that's well, he's just so damn animated. Yeah. Like every every part of him just has an energy to it that's mm-hmm. really fun to watch. And there's a reason why like everybody latched onto it. And it wasn't because it was a good horror movie or anything like that. It was because he was enjoyable. And for a little kid, it's like when things scare you, you do that thing where you run away from it, but then you like creep back up on it because you still want to look at it. Yeah. But it's creepy. But he's just so goddamn charismatic. You yeah. can't help it. And even fucking Congo. He's yeah. T- he's pretty awful in Congo, but yeah. he's still the best part of it. He's the only good part of it. I have some stuff I want to talk to you about off the air uh, about <laughs> Laura Linney in that movie. There's, there's something about her. I find... <laughs> There's something interesting about her in that movie, but anyway. So yeah, our musketeers storm the castle. Um, Chris O'Donnell gets a neat like a uh, Buster Keaton moment here. Where oh, he, he's yes. hanging from a he's hanging from a flag, and uh, isn't that the original Robin Hood? They like, did they did some stuff like that. Again, white guys and hanging off of things. It's well, just a thing they do. Well, doesn't he go down by the knife? Doesn't he slide down by knife? Yeah, I believe I believe that was in there. But do you remember the Goonie? You didn't see the Goonie. I he hasn't not, seen the Goonies. I haven't seen the Goonies. Uh, can't catch up on that either because that's just a movie you need to watch. Um, <laughs> I don't need to defend that movie. But yeah, we get a, point is we get a nice gag here where he's hanging from a flag that's hanging over the the palace square. Yeah. It's very obvious that they built this whole set and it's pretty. It's pretty nice. Yeah. And you can tell that the actor was legitimately high off the ground yeah. because we have a whole bunch of extras doing their plate plating on the tling, ground. Tling, tling, tling. Yeah, tink, there's a lot of tink tink. There's the a lot of tink tink. <laughs> um, yeah, he defeats the he defeats the sniper with Oliver Platt's help. 
mm-hmm. who, who just casually pulls out a flintlock pistol and shoots oh. this guy at distance. His pistol gag on the ground is my my favorite moment of his in the entire movie. The his trident, so, yeah, his, the sword breaker. The, yeah. Oh my god, that was, just the way his like his. Um, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> no, he does it, the way he does it is kind of like a. Uh, like, <laughs> Fuck you, dude! Like it's a, well. He even has that line earlier in the movie. Just I love my, my work. work. <laughs> yeah, where he pulls out the bolo and like, or uh, the bola. Rather. The bola, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Oliver Platt. Um, we get our our awesome moment where the three musketeers are in the square fighting all the king's men. Uh, they all get their moments to shine. A lot of people get stabbed. Yeah, but Oliver Platt, I say, has the best moment maybe in the entire movie, where uh, he's demonstrated to be a. Uh, unafraid of using simple tricks and nonsense to yeah. beat people other than just straight up sword play yeah. so earlier in the movie he uses a sword breaker um and a bola and in this scene though he just does this thing where like he he whips his his uh, his robe his musketeer robe and he surprises this guy with just a pistol he had <laughs> under his under his armpit basically and he, he just gives this like Errol Flynn as ha <laughs> and just bam, just point blank shoots him. It's I mean a man died. Yeah, this is a serious thing, but I'm laughing. <laughs> so there's a reason why I watch this movie probably once a year. It's because, it's because of him, yeah. uh, him and Tim Curry. Uh, which brings us inside the palace where yes. where shit gets real. Uh, yeah, shit gets real. Uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland is fighting uh, Michael Wincott. Oh yeah, they get they get a nice stare down moment where. Like yeah. I said, he, he whips off his cape and he busts out uh, D'Artagnan's sword, yeah. D'Artagnan's father's sword, uh, and yes. they go at it one on one for a while. Three eyes glaring back at each other. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're going at it, and Wincott is you can he's supposed to be the superior swordsman um, because he does he does catch Sutherland in his uh, his fighting arm basically. Yeah, he's, he's, he stabbed. He's kind of just toying with him almost, where he's just like, oh, uh, he's well, like, even oh. his facial acting, like he has that like very good villain facial acting where you can tell he's like relishing it mm-hmm. and he puts a, he puts his whole body into these swings it's kind of cool to watch because that's what fencing should look like yeah well they did they it was six weeks of fencing lessons yeah, that it's, they took. it's like, not it's just joke. like shoulder rotator stuff it's like no, it's, hips yeah, hips and lunges and, it's and like people think that boxing is just swinging your arms no, like, no <laughs> not quite no no he, he acquits himself quite well in these in this one scene I want to. I kind of want to go back and watch that Count of Monte Cristo because Guy Pierce was supposed to be like an awesome, like his character in the movie is supposed to be a really good. I remember there was a lot of hype around the swordplay in that movie. That's what? actually why I watched it. I've got to rewatch it. Um, I haven't seen it. So that, long. There's that trailer moment where he jacks his sword. He he tips it, mm-hmm. and it uh, the the hilt flips back, flips over into his hand. I, and I, that is a stunning gag. I forgot about the one of my other favorite things. This is the high five, the, the high five that uh, Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen do is the little, the little cling, the yeah. high five. <laughs> I fucking love that. And I think that was probably Oliver Platt's doing. I feel like that's just something he and Charlie Sheen would probably oh, yeah. do. The camera was probably running. Charlie Sheen was probably half awake and was just like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you want a high five? Okay, okay. <laughs> Charlie." <laughs> <laughs> I did a nose tap. Yeah. You gotta, gotta blow. Come on, buddy. I'm six four and Canadian. I I can't I can't move this quick. I got kids, man. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if he's ever done cocaine. I know Charlie Sheen has, but I don't know if Oliver Platt has. So that's a very large cranium, man. I don't he's know. Bad. Yeah, that's you could go broke trying like to keep that s- habit up. So much fun to hang out with. <laughs> he does seem like. Um. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so Michael Wincott is fighting Kiefer Sutherland. He injures him, and now it's D'Artagnan's time. Yeah. To Fight the man that's killed his father, although he doesn't know that yet. Yes. 
Um, so Charlie Sheen is going after the Cardinal. Yeah. Oliver Platt is doing something else right now. Yeah, he's just fucking around in the background. Um, and he's, probably, most... he's probably like taking a breather. Taking a breather. <laughs> um, he so there's something in this movie that the Cardinal escapes through a door that's in the in the wall, and that's something that's in Man in the Iron Mask. It's actually um, an important part of that movie. Is that must be in the book, or it must have been. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, so then we get Tim Curry dismissing Charlie Sheen. Yes, he, uh, he says, stand aside. <laughs> uh, and Stay in the rooms. He's like, now you have to answer to God, and he just fucking blows him away. Uh, you don't know that Tim Curry, because he's wearing a, a huge cape the entire time, you don't know that he's got one from the hip just pointed right yeah. at him. So he's unafraid, and Charlie Sheen has him at sword point. Yeah, Tim Curry just blasts him square in the chest. You and- first. And then he goes off into the walls, and... Oliver Platt's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like, like, Charlie, I mean, <laughs> Aramis. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wild thing, I mean, Aramis. It'd be a pretty heavy death, because, I mean, he, Charlie Sheen's barely been in the movie, but he's so charismatic. When he gets shot, you're like, well, f- well damn. <laughs> yeah, lost I mean, so. yeah. It, it, is, it is supposed to be a big moment. I'm yeah. not sure how effective it actually was, but Oliver Platt sells it. He saved, he's saved by getting shot uh, his crucifix that he has. Yes, because he uh, is a... Pious, God-fearing man. Um, so they're like, okay, now we have to go chase down the Cardinal. And I think they split up at this point, because they're like... he the went three, The three musketeers all run into the dungeon and go their separate ways. Yes. Um, they do another high-five sword tap here. Um, and Chris O'Donnell and Michael Wincott are doing their stuff. We get... Um, there's, there's some stairs, some banisters, you know. We get, Classic swashbuckling stuff. Uh, there's almost a shot oh, for a, shot. Uh, a uh, Ewan McGregor backflip. <laughs> some... some like Phantom Menace kind of shit. I don't understand what it is for people in uh, swashbucklers to get on higher ground in a place that's like a room. Like I don't see how you have an advantage in a room. I don't see how you have an advantage swinging on a rope. I think it's just. <laughs> I just think so we can get that shot of them jumping over the sword, and it's in Robin Hood minute, uh, not minute tights. Yeah. Uh, Prince of Thieves. If you're not ducking under a sword, you are jumping. Jumping over. We have to do that in this, and then we get the. And then somebody has to swing on a rope, and then uh, somebody has to kick a barrel or something down some stairs. Uh, or a flaming carriage, which is Flaming in. carriage. Um, we already got a light fixture falling on people. Yeah. Like, you know, candle, candle, like wooden light fixture. Robin Hood. Um, yeah. So <laughs> We've checked all the boxes is what we're trying to say. The My second favorite Oliver Platt part of the movie is the dungeon part with the ugly guy. Because uh, <laughs> there's some funny shit in this. Uh, the, oh, does, ugly. <laughs> what does he call? He says you smelly something or other? Oh, he, oh. No, um, when he meets Rochefort, uh, originally, when they're, when he goes on there, he's like, Rochefort, isn't that some kind of smelly cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was just improvised. I think that was, because there is a cheese called Rochefort or yeah, something I'm, like I'm that. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I looked it up, because I'm like, is there a smelly cheese called that? It's blue, it's like gar- Gorgonzola or like blue yeah, cheese. Yeah, their little dungeon showdown is pretty grisly, actually. It's pretty brutal. If I was a, if... I can remember right. I think I was actually kind of creeped out because the lighting in the dungeon is very intensely dark yeah. and heavily shadowed and creepy. Well, it's Atmos- like the beginning of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like it's, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, and that guy has creepy makeup. Like I said, he looks like he came out of Dick Tracy or the Rocketeer or something. I was gonna say the hills have eyes almost because he's yeah. really gross. Yeah, um, um, 
and the way he meets his end is pretty fucking gruesome. Yeah, he gets impaled. Uh, in like, multiple places. Yeah. <laughs> and then Oliver Platt thinks he's dead, and he's, ah! He <laughs> yeah, of course, for the kids in the audience, this is just terrifying. And he jumps back, and uh, it's kind of like a, like what an Iron Maiden was supposed to be, except it's like... It's just on the wall. Like a Connect Four, like... Yeah. Like, just like big grids. It's like a claptrap or yeah. something, but like rigged up from the ceiling and embedded in the wall. Yeah, it does not look like happy fun time. Um, yeah, so um, then we cut back to what Chris O'Donnell and Michael Wincott. They're still going at it. Yeah, um, they've been going at it for a while. Michael Wincott's going to have a heart attack soon. Um, and they're chasing after the Cardinal and like, where did you get off to? And he's like, I'm fighting something ugly or something like that. So they, they meet back up. Um, and we get back to Michael Wincott and uh, Chris O'Donnell, and this is where Wincott pretty much has him against the wall. Like yeah. He's bested him, and he's like, stupid, just like your father. And he's like, oh, you knew my father? And he yeah. did the, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and this is where we come back to, we said at the beginning that... Um, Chris O'Donnell's girlfriend in this is inconsequential because we. It's the inter- lady from American Werewolf in Paris. Correct, isn't it? correct. It is American Werewolf in Paris lady. Uh, she's a French actress. Oh, definitely. Not my favorite of the French actresses we've covered so far, but I no, mean, I mean, <laughs> she's pretty. But she's not my favorite. She's French. She's, <laughs> she is French. <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't see that. <laughs> Spider-Man Three, Bruce Campbell. Um, Look it up. We. So when you're introduced to her, you could tell that she's got the hots for him. He's got the hots for her. Uh, she comes back one other time to talk to the queen she, about love. Yeah, she's vaguely. She's one of the queen's ladies in waiting. Yeah. Um, he meets her because he's trying to save her from some bandits. bandits. She's like, this uh, the turns queen. out it's yeah. her escort. Queen's own bodyguards. Yeah. Yeah. Was she, was she doing an Irish accent? Maybe she learned her English from an Irish Irishman. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But yeah, we, That's funny. Um, there's a theme in the story where um, D'Artagnan has this thing about love. She has a thing about love. The king uh, and the queen have this thing about like true love and stuff. And uh, It's all... Kiefer boy. Sutherland is there to tell him, That's full of shit. That's oh, all full of shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, she shows up. And does she help him get his sword back? Uh, yeah, so th- that's what I was going to say, is that Wincott is literally about to stab him. You're no musketeer. And then in two movements, she pops the sword up, he catches, and immediately into his chest. And he gets my, yeah, one of my favorite famous last words. Yeah, I wrote it down. Go ahead. Can you, can you, hang on. Can you get the mucus and blood into the back of your throat? I don't think I can. It's hard. Cause... It's hard. But, yeah, he said... The preceding line, as he has, as Michael Wincott has his sword hanging over Chris O'Donnell, he says, "You're no musketeer." And then uh, Chris O'Donnell sticks him, and he says, "I might have been mistaken." <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, um, I said Michael Wincott is fantastic in the climax. I might have been mistaken is right up there with, "Ah shit, I picked the cute one." As far as last words are concerned, if you don't know that one. Watch Batman Returns. It is worth your time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. Like that <laughs> oh, it's almost time because I watched the thing too early. Batman Returns. Batman Returns, man. Christmas time. That is, that is... And it's very much... It's a Rufio getting stabbed scene. Like, it's straight... Like, from the kind of POV, you're getting the shot from, like, where he's sitting. And he's stabbed oh, right yeah. in the heart. Um, I, I, have you ever seen The Secret of Nim? No. 
one of my favorite cinema stabbings. <laughs> it's, it's animated, but um, there's two rats who are having who are having a sword fight. It's an awesome sword fight. Um, the villain Jenner, uh, one of several villains, but um, he gets poked like not not like run Impaled, through, but he gets yeah. stabbed just good enough where it's like he's not getting up for a while. Gotcha. And his reaction to being stabbed is very different because Michael Wincott he does a really good job. His the subtlety in his face is like you can tell he's like I'm not ready to die just yet, but I'm dying. Yeah. And he just like his entire skull is just entire cranium is just clenched every muscle, and he just kind of. Eases, he just eases back, yeah. Yeah, he just eases back onto the steps, and it's a beautiful death. It's really good. It really is. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I definitely applaud it. But Jenner, though, when he gets stabbed, he goes like, ah, <laughs> like he shrieks like a fucking banshee, and he like slinks off into the darkness, but he doesn't die. So he has just as good, if not a better, death scene in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, <laughs> because he gets stuck in the gut by Alan Rickman, and he does like a like it's a guttural noise and his like his all the blood is in his face like so add that to his list of talents he's a good diver oh he's good at dying maybe that's <laughs> what it was like he's like no dude like you can't be a leading guy we have to kill you he's you're like, just you, too you good at dying you need to die though <laughs> you're he too does good really at well I, he dies in that along came the spider too I just don't remember how oh uh, see I haven't seen that in so long it's been so long since I've seen um, it too I just know that he's the he's not the bad guy he's like miss he's um kind of a red herring like he's well not... i mean look at him Fuck. yeah <laughs> yeah um anyway um, sorry alien resurrection decent death too yeah like good, death. good from an acting standpoint kind of lame from like what actually happens standpoint like okay he gets he gets bit yeah <laughs> he gets bit and then he pukes and then he digs i think this one is a little more subtle than robin hood prince of thieves but it, prince of thieves is pretty no, good ex- excellent cinematic death yes like i i tip my hat to him um Yes, so now we have to get to the Cardinal. Yeah, uh, so we're on we're on the River Styx again. So right back where we started. This is I think this is probably the funniest part of the movie. They do a horrible job of wrapping up this movie. Uh, great job killing Michael Wincott. That's a great scene. Um, and then we get to Tim Curry, and Kiefer Sutherland and Oliver Platt are like literally they could jump onto the boat from where they're standing. And because it's not even a motorboat, like he's Bond villain, <laughs> he's kind of like a Bond villain. <laughs> he's like, very slowly getting away. Yeah, he's <laughs> on a robe. It's not even a rowboat. It's like the stick boat that they push <laughs> off the ground. Like, and he's like, "You're too late." <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, I can jump into that. Boat. <laughs> You're too late. <laughs> I don't even need a running start. Like, I can just jump in. And he he tells them is like the Duke of Buckingham's gonna fuck you guys up. And they're like, "We too bad we intercepted the." Uh, intercepted the letter he's like a minor like that's just a minor speed bump basically i'm gonna get away i win (laughs) and then charlie sheen for the third time i think how many times do these guys just appear in the right fucking place three fucking times (laughs) (laughs) he pops off his horse like i don't think so and i don't think so cardinal there's a scuffle with the king and the queen and one of the guards and uh charlie sheen's about to do something and fucking the king it's the ending of Dickstown. yeah pretty much he's like hey hey my hands hurt you want you want to handle this brother instead it's the king instead of ham or whatever so the king who i don't believe can punch him this hard yeah even with the haymaker like it he doesn't have <laughs> yeah it's like he looks like frodo he looks like elijah wood like that's about how that hair and that nose man i'm just saying like if you 
Like you take that nose and just shrink it down a little bit, he's Elijah Wood. He's like the same height and stature. Like he's just that big. Um, but like but, pretty. <laughs> but, <laughs> do you want to tell them how Tim Curry meets his end in this movie? Yeah, so the king does indeed catch Tim Curry on the chin. Uh, and he falls off the boat. And then we cut away from the scene, so he never actually comes back up. He just falls in the water. And then he's never seen or heard from again. That's it. That's it. That is it. That's it. I need to read the, <laughs> read at least how he gets it in the book. I mean, like, if you wanted a sequel bait here, you do the Skeletor thing where he, like, pops up out of the water at the end and says, I'll be back! <laughs> I mean, I don't know I don't know how the book ends. I don't know how, how Cardinal... Richelieu? Yeah, I don't know how he gets it in the book. So it's kind of a really not big deal that how well, he dies. I mean, it also, you know, it begs the question of the complexities of the papacy and stuff. He is a fucking cardinal. Yeah. He has the support of the papacy, which yeah. is probably greater in power than the French... The- the, mo- the yeah than it, the French monarch yeah yeah absolutely is at so this time especially if you if you wanted to he could probably just keep carrying on <laughs> yeah that, so he needs to die that's he, the he point. needs to die <laughs> uh, well, well they they can prove him of treason because of the letter so I, yeah I guess so but we but don't they, see any of that. I'm assuming that he I think that he doesn't die I think that's what we're getting from this is that he's going to go to court but we just don't get that this like we're not we can't make this movie any longer we've already got the one good death in here. We can't kill him. Well, so. What I would have preferred to have seen is they're like they're pushing along on their boat, and then Gomez and Fester Adams like around the corner behind them. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't know. That's one of my. F- it's like, basically the same set with different lighting. It, it, but that's one <laughs> one of my favorite scenes from that movie is Gomez singing with Fester on the uh, on the boat, just because <laughs> he just goes straight into it like he's been oh, warming up for hours. That is a cinematic pairing. I'm so sad we were robbed of. Yeah, Raul Julia and Tim Curry. That would have been a lot of fun going head to head. What could they, what could they have done? Anything. Man. Anything. Well, I would have watched after it this, and we're gonna, it. They're going to brainstorm a little bit, but I, I, we might be able to find a movie the, for them. The bulging eyes and, and the enunciation. They could have been like, they could have, um, not quite brothers, but they could have been cousins or something. Yes, yeah, so we got brothers, but what would they be? I think they could be cousins or some kind. May, yeah, maybe there's like an inheritance or something, and like Raul Julia, get, he's like from New York, and he gets called it. The UK, and then he meets his long lost brother, Tim Curry. Could you imagine if, like, if um, Raul Julia would have survived to see Wes Anderson? Because in Wes Anderson movies, everybody's pretty, like, monotone and doesn't really do, but there's one character, like, um, uh, what's his name? World Tenenbaums, Birdcage, Gene Hackman. Like, Gene Hackman's, like, the one kind of loud character, and then Grand Budapest, you've got um, Ralph, Ralph Fiennes, or Rafe, Rafe, I think, is that said. Rafe. Um, yeah, like he's like the one kind of charismatic character. Could you imagine Raul Julia in, in something like that? I just wish he made more movies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Not to not to um, go out on a down yeah. note here, but we digress. Yeah. But yeah, so the way we wrap up this film is uh, we I think we just do like a simple fade from from the river sticks and Tim Curry going in the water to uh, the king's throne room. Uh, D'Artagnan becomes a musketeer, by the way. In a Star Wars. Oh. Yeah, no, it, it is totally the throne room, yeah. like, metal ceremony. Just yeah. just with shittier music. No Chewbacca. No Chewbacca. <laughs> I, like the, I think the queen's pretty hot, too. She's a little bit... 
for the Carrie Fisher. That's I. That's <laughs> nice. um, um, and then we all uh, run out to the the square because we got to use that set for all it's worth, as well as all the uh, map paintings that we made to Ooh, yeah. to show that this is indeed a whole city. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then our our, our friendly uh, D'Artagnan yeah, D- comes back, <laughs> and uh, he wants to continue the duel. Um, yep. This duel has never ended, by nope. the way. Nope. From the beginning ended. of the film, it's still carried on, and uh, Oliver Platt tells uh, Chris O'Donnell that, hey, you know, we got your back. It's so corny the way he does it. We don't just protect, uh, what does he say? We don't just protect a team. We protect one another. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you could tell he, like, his contract was probably, like, up, and they, like, weasel, they, like, somehow twisted his arm to get him back for like one more day i I just have one thing real quick this line i say very last um can we do that first because oliver platt like talking to the director like this is a really dumb line can we do this first so it's just out of the way and i can do all the fun stuff now like because that's the (laughs) dumbest line he has to say like it's the one time where he has to be serious pretty much (laughs) yeah i was see like chris o'donnell's genuine reaction probably just would have been like a Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like why couldn't you have like been like this when i first met you i wouldn't have gotten like buddy buddy with you <laughs> like god you suck god, that's gross <laughs> that's gross just put put that away <laughs> go get drunk or something you're way more fun when you're drunk is charlie out of coke oh <laughs> <laughs> well yeah uh, um the entire musketeer brigade like charges D'Artagnan and his brothers uh, they chase them out of the square, and the end. Yeah, that's the end. Like, literally the end. Um, the- look, it's funny, because, like, the way it's shot, the angle, it makes me think of, like, uh, nature footage of, like, a buffalo stampede yeah, or yeah. something. There's a lot of them. Those dudes are which, gonna die. Which Disney actually has a very long history of producing. So. Oh, yeah, I saw Lion King. Um... But yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Wow, we kept this to an hour and thirty six, about as long as well. Actually, less less time. It's a two hour film. Man. Yeah, we we cut out the parts about the king and queen, so <laughs> yeah. I like our cut better. <laughs> I do too. Uh, so what you said? Would you watch this again? Did you think it was pretty good? Um, I wouldn't willfully put it on again, but if it was on, um, I'd at least leave it on for the Tim Curry bits and the Oliver Platt. Mm. Um, they were immensely enjoyable, as was Michael Wincott. Um, yeah. And like I said, the, it really finds its footing in the last half hour. So if I turned it on and that part was on, yeah, sure, I'd stick around for that. Yeah, you can kind of skip. You kind of skip the beginning. I, I'd say once you get the three of them on screen together, like okay, now we can start watching the movie. No, it, it is. It is not a low effort film by yep. any means. Every yep. every aspect of it is given love and care. Um, there's not a single bad performance in the film. Not one that I noted. Um, everybody's in it to win it and the only thing that hurts it for me is that I have some history with these kinds of movies like I said the first one of yeah. these movies I saw is like one of the shining examples of them so like when I see the sword play and all the tropes and stuff it's like I've, I've seen this done better yeah without the without the weird silly bullshit um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good solid Disney live action film. I like I like that they kept the killing. Yeah. Um, it's nice that they didn't do a Ninja Turtles two. Um, I don't know if you recall, but Ninja Turtles two they weren't allowed to even use their fucking weapons. Oh yeah, that was because of uh, I think nunchucks. Yeah, or something. kids were beating the shit out of each yeah. other. Yeah. Oh, I remember. And Leonardo, who is notable for having two fucking swords, yeah. never draws them except to throw them in the ceiling. And use them to basically do the equivalent of white guy rope action. Go ninja, go ninja, yeah. go! Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm immense. I'm very happy that they 
preserved the sword play and they allowed Chris O'Donnell to kill people and stuff because I could have seen Disney like being like, no, we can't have that. It's for kids. I, I was gonna say like this, this I think helped give us Pirates of the Caribbean. Honestly, uh, this movie did act like it had a decent budget. It made its money back. Uh, it didn't no, double. I, I don't doubt it. Like I said, the marketing campaign was very aggressive for this film. I, I remember that marketing better than I remember the film. Yeah, I remember the film better than the marketing. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, All right, great, great timing. timing. <laughs> uh, looks like we're uh, we're gonna be recording something back to back. So, yep. uh, thanks for listening.